In the race to find technology talent, sometimes you have to grow your own. Accenture Federal Services is doing just that with an apprenticeship program for veterans in the St. Louis, Missouri area. For details, we turn to the managing director and lead of Accenture's Advanced Technology Center Network, Ali Bokhari. Mr. Bokhari, good to have you on. Good morning, Tom. Thank you. Glad to be here. And later, we're going to hear from one of the apprentices, Tyler Eckleton. He'll be with us in just a couple of minutes. But, Ali, starting with the whole Accenture Advanced Technology Center network, what is that and how does that fit into the general Accenture picture? Tom, the network is a key component of our delivery mechanism. That is where we deliver our programs at scale in a repeatable way delivering very predictable outcomes by virtue of the way we establish our way to do delivery. All right. So you do delivery of technological solutions for federal agencies. And why did you pick St. Louis, Missouri, of all the cities possible for an apprenticeship program? We also have a large presence in San Antonio, Texas. That's where our base technology center is. We just expanded into St. Louis. We announced that a year ago. And that's largely because of the mix of talent and the scale at which we need to grow. The talent is there to be curated, really. And tell us more about the apprenticeship program itself, how you develop that, how you're expanding it, and why it's different from, say, internships or just hiring people and training them. We started this journey with apprenticeship programs about five years ago in San Antonio, recognizing the pace at which we were needing to scale And we realized that we needed to curate our talent. And that's a really, really important piece of it. And our focus on veterans is very intentional. The kinds of work ethic and attitude we get, you know, you can't train for that. Training for the technology is the easy piece. So, you know, we established partnerships with Joint Base San Antonio, and we're starting to lean in with Scott Air Force Base in St. Louis tapping into those enlisted personnel who are transitioning out of the military and uh, offering them an opportunity to learn emerging technologies and hopefully uh, continue their career journey with us. But I want to concentrate on that word apprenticeship because that seems to have special meaning relative to just, again, hiring people and sending them off for training. Is there a difference? And if so, what is apprenticeship? What's the significance of that particular term? The significance of that term, uh, Tom, is really about hands-on experience. So there's, there's really two programs that we are running. One is what we call the Apprentice in Training Program, which lasts about 12 weeks. And these are individuals that we train on in one of five emerging technology areas that we see a high demand for. And we see this apprentice in training program as a pathway into the apprenticeship program, which is a full-time employment with us. And it's more of a, you know, learn as you go with mentorship, with teaching and working on real projects and, and honing your skills that way. And what are the top technology areas that you have demand for these days? It's a lot around the digital space, Salesforce, ServiceNow, you know, applied intelligence. So it's all the usual suspects. So somebody going through the program is much better positioned to be able to find a career post-military, particularly if they're veterans. And is the apprenticeship tied to a particular product, such as one you might need certification in, or is it more generalized than that? 
It's tied to a technology track generally. So we specialize with any individual in a particular area. Sometimes they go on to get certification. Certainly most of them are good enough to get certified, but that's not necessarily the targeted outcome for the program. The targeted outcome for the program is to be job ready, whether you have the certification or not. So they can help Accenture deliver on the contracts you have with federal customers, in other words. That's exactly right. And give us a sense of the numbers of people at a given time you have in the apprenticeship program. And do you have an ultimate goal of people that you want to say, this is how many we apprenticed? In St. Louis, we're targeting between 30 to 40 a year and recognizing we're just starting to scale up in St. Louis. In San Antonio, where our program is much more mature, where we have more scale, over 100 people a year are going through our programs. And you're pretty happy with how it's gone so far? We are delighted. Uh, We are absolutely delighted. The the people going through the program, more often than not, you know, probably 90, 95% of the time are job ready. And quite often they come and choose to work with us after they they finish their program. We're speaking with Ali Bokhari. He's managing director and lead of Accenture Federal Services Advanced Technology Center Network in St. Louis. And now we're going to talk to Tyler Eckleton, who is a veteran that came through the apprenticeship program. Tyler, nice to have you on. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Tom. It's good to be here. Uh, So I was in the military in the Air Force for about four years as a computer programmer. And uh, yeah, I went through Accenture's apprenticeship program towards the end of my enlistment. The military has a program called the Career Skills Program. Some people may know it as DOD SkillBridge, which allows you to kind of reach out to civilian companies and and gain some hands-on experience for your last six months of service. And I was able to do that with Accenture Federal Services. And now you are functioning as a what for which agency? Yeah, so I'm a software engineer, a senior analyst. I came in about a year ago for Accenture Federal Services, and I work in the uh, Microsoft Power Platform specialty. And which federal agency are you with? I'm unable to uh, specify specifics of our clients and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I've been with a couple different clients Got in it. my time. Both civilian <laughs> and DOD? Uh Yes. Okay, well, that doesn't narrow it down at all, but it shows you can work pretty much anywhere they send you in the government. I guess a question would be coming from the Air Force programming environment where you're, you know, sitting in a lot of rows with a lot of light blue shirts and so forth. What is the difference? How, How do you like the private sector? How does it compare in delivering work to a contractor and then to the agency versus working directly for an agency? Yeah, so a really good question. I think one of the biggest differences is in the civilian world, and at least AFS specifically, is that you can kind of control how much is on your plate at any given time. You know, in the Air Force, it's kind of, we need you to do this, go do it. We don't care if it's too much, figure out a way. Whereas, you know, AFS is is mindful of that work-life balance. and, And if they want you to take on another project, they ask you can you handle this and do you want to do it? So you can take on as much or you're as little. I mean, obviously you can't do nothing, but <laughs> you you can you can control your workload very well within AFS. That's true. Ali is still on the line, so you can't talk about doing nothing. And I'm sure your days are <laughs> packed to the gills and you can barely get it all done as it is. But Ali, maybe just a word on how the fact of the pandemic has affected the program since people presumably can't come in in person as much as you probably would like them to for their apprenticeships. 
Tom, we haven't missed a beat, you know, with the pandemic. We pivoted to doing our training program 100% virtually. So the output has been as good as it was before. So it really hasn't affected us in, in any detrimental way. All right. And you find that the mentorship relationship with apprentices can happen in a full manner, even if they haven't been in person together? It is happening in a meaningful manner. Um, certainly, you know, the eyeball to eyeball, you know, person to person interaction is not happening, but we are still doing it in very meaningful ways. Ali Bokhari is Managing Director and Lead of the Advanced Technology Center Network in St. Louis. That's part of Accenture Federal Services. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. And we also heard from Tyler Eckleton. He is now a software engineer at Accenture Federal Services. Tyler, good to have you on. Thanks, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I 
We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up. Uh, make decisions. Uh, do what you think is right. And you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. 
and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.